Okay, so yes, this is a clock. Now, I am <laughs> very clock conscious. Like, I'm very, very time conscious. Uh, so much so that my pulse, I went to the doctor this week, uh, had some uh, blood work done and everything like that, just routine checkup stuff, and, and I went to the doctor and he took my pulse, or the nurse took my pulse, and uh, it was 60, like once per second, and it always has been. I have trained my heart to be a human stopwatch so that, yes, yes, 60 beats per second, like clockwork. Uh, it's very helpful for heating up pizza rolls, by the way, uh, just so you know. Um, if you don't know me, I have this obsession with pizza rolls, and I gave them up for like two years, and I was walking through Meyer one day, that's where I shop, uh, so you should shop at Meyer. No, no, don't shop at Meyer because I shop there. Um, I don't want you to see me buying pizza rolls. So I'm like walking through, and it's like, oh, pizza rolls, I haven't had those in so long, and then I got them, and I got them home, and I threw them in the oven, because you should heat them up in the oven, they're nasty in the microwave, but I threw them in the oven, and uh, sure enough, you know, um, they didn't taste as good as they once did. So either they altered the recipe or my, my taste buds changed. I'm, I'm hoping they altered the recipe and that my taste buds are still working. But anyway, um, but so I'm very, very clock conscious, very, very conscious of time. Uh, when I was in elementary school, I was that kid. I was the one who like sat near the clock and would, Mrs. Powers, it's time to go to music class. You know, and, and, and here's the thing is that I don't know if clock consciousness, if time consciousness is a hereditary thing, but I know my dad is very, very, he's a stickler about time. He's very, very conscious of the clock, and we've got to be here, there, and okay, and I am the same way. I am like, it's this time to do this, it's time to do that. It's time, I'm always aware of the clock, always aware of what time it is, and my little guy, my 12-year-old, is the same way. I mean, he is like a stickler for the clock. Um, my wife's not here, so I'll tell this funny story. Uh, we're, I've told you before, I think I told you this one before, but we're, in case you've never heard it before, uh, we're in the car one day, and uh, my wife is getting ready in the house, and, and me and the little guy went out to the car, and we're sitting there, and, and uh, we're just waiting. We're listening to the radio, you know, having a little conversation, a little dad, a little father-son time, you know, and this is what I hear. What is taking her so long? Okay, all right, okay, time out, little buddy. All right, you're like nine years old, okay? So I'm, just, I'm looking in the mirror in the back seat. We can never, ever say that because I know where it came from. I know where it came from. And uh, it's like, she likes you, okay? She likes you, and you will not be in trouble. I will be in trouble. So uh, we, we got to be careful here. And uh, just teaching them important life lessons, life skills. I call them life hacks. And this is how you survive childhood, is by not calling to attention to the fact that we're always late. Anyway, so um, I've been sick all week, and so it's like one of those things where I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, it's a cloudy head. Uh, but anyway, um, when it comes to being, you know, this time thing, I have found that I waste so much time about stuff that doesn't matter. I mean, just stupid stuff that doesn't matter, like Notre Dame football, okay? I'm obsessed with Notre Dame football, but I waste so much time worrying about what 18 to 22-year-old college students do on a football field. I just waste so much time on that. Or Green Bay Packers football. Oh, I waste so much time on the Packers. And, and who watched the game last Sunday night? I watched the game last Sunday night. 
Uh, yes, I did. Oh, I did. And so, and so he, let me tell you a little story about when I lived in Minnesota. So when I lived up in Minnesota, everybody up there is Vikings fans, right? And I'm like the lone Packer fan in the entire state. I'm the only one. And so I'm watching my Packers, uh, and we were getting ready uh, for uh, the first Packers-Vikings game after we moved up there. And I took, I have, I have two of them, but I have two cheese heads. So I take my, one of my cheese heads and I stick it in the pulpit. And uh, so I put my cheese head in the pulpit and I'm getting ready uh, for the first game. And uh, I get up to preach and I pull the cheese head out of the pulpit and I put it on my head. And the lady in the congregation pulls out a pair of Viking horns and put them on her head. They had little braids and everything. And so she puts the Viking horns on, my, on her head. And, uh, and, I, and so I talk smack. Like the whole morning I'm talking smack about how the Packers are going to destroy the Vikings and everything. And the Packers go out and they got whooped. I mean, just whooped by the Vikings that day. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And so later on in the season, I did the same thing. Same cheese head. Well, actually, it was my other cheese head. I figured the first one wasn't lucky. So I pulled the second one out and I put it on my head. And sure enough, the Packers got whooped by the Vikings again. And so I made a deal with God. I said, okay, God, I understand. I understand. This is not about me. It's not about my team. It's not about the Packers. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop talking smack about the other team. I'm not going to talk about the Packers anymore during church. And then last week came, right? First Bears-Packers game of the season, right? Uh, uh, I totally forgot. Derp. You know, and so I started talking smack about the Bears. And then I'm watching the game Sunday night. And sure enough, you know, they tore... Aaron Rodgers' leg off. Khalil Mack tore his leg off, and they magically reattached it at halftime. You know, and then he came out and walked on water. I mean, it was unreal, if you watched that game, how Aaron Rodgers played in that second half. It was beautiful, just beautiful. But I'm thinking the whole first half is like he's in the locker room with a, a torn-off leg, and I'm thinking to myself, this is not good. This is my fault. It's my fault. Because I talked about the Packers versus the Bears on Sunday morning and on Saturday night, and this is my fault. Like I said, it's stupid, right? It's just dumb. This obsession that I have, this time that I waste on Packers football, on Notre Dame football, on, on fantasy football. I think I have a football problem. I, th I think that's my problem is I have a football problem. Uh, I'm sure there's a mental disorder somewhere in there that, uh, that is causing me this uh, condition. But in reality, I, I do. I waste a lot of time. I waste so much time. I mean, I'm, I, I, I was thinking about it. Uh, I, my birthday is next month. I'm going to turn 45. You have... Uh, about um, 37 shopping days left. So my birthday is next month, and I'm going to be 45, 45 years old. And this is, this is a sermon. This sermon I'm preaching today is based on a sermon I did three years ago when I was getting ready to turn 42. And now I'm going to be 45. And, and I was thinking back to when I turned 40 and just how crazy it is that time just marches on and just keeps getting faster and faster and faster. And some of you young people are looking at me like, man, time takes forever. I'm never going to grow up. I'm never going to get old enough. I'm never going to get out of my house. I'm never going to go to college. I'm never going to get married. You gotta, trust me, time goes so fast. The older you get, the faster it goes. I mean, seriously, my, my little guy, I remember carrying him from the nursery uh, to the, from the delivery room to the nursery when he was just born. I mean, he fit right here. Now he's almost as tall as I am at age 12. Where did the last 12 years go? Where did the last five years go? Time moves so fast. And yet, we waste so much of it, right? We get 168 hours every week. Every single one of us gets 168 hours every week. Sounds like a lot, right? Not when you start breaking it down. If you sleep seven, eight hours in a night, 
It's 49 to 56 hours of sleep a week. I, I personally sleep eight. I have to sleep eight. It's my beauty sleep. This doesn't do it. Not by itself. It needs rest. It needs rest. So, but in, in all seriousness, I mean, 56 hours of sleep a week, so, or 49, let's say seven, 49. So now you're down to 119 hours a week. If you work five days a week, like in Chicago or something, that's, that's two hours of commuting a day and 40 hours, 50 hours of working a day. Now you're down to like 50 hours a week. And he's like, oh, that, that's a lot. Not over the course of seven days, it's not. Now you're talking maybe seven hours a day, but then you got you got things you got to do. You got to, you know, you got to shower and you got to, you know, shave and you, and, and you should shower. Um, but uh, you got to eat, you know. And by the time you know you got two three hours a day left over, and that that's two three hours of quality time. Never mind the fact you got to take the kids to the soccer practice or you got to go to the soccer game, or you got to go uh, to Cub Scouts or Girl Scouts. And you got so much to do, and there's so little time. So little time. And, and, and then when you do get home, in those maybe two to three hours of quality time that you can spend with your family, you get home, and all you want to do is just veg out in front of Netflix. Right? You want to you binge watch a couple shows, and so you're binge watching your show, and it's like, you just completed this episode. Do you want to watch another Yes, I do. Do you want to watch another? I think so. How about one more? Okay. And then Netflix pops up and says, are you sure you, are, shouldn't you be going to bed? You've watched five episodes of Parks and Rec. Shouldn't you be in bed now? You got to work tomorrow. Don't care. We waste so much much time doing things we get up in the morning and your feet hit the floor and it's like huh i wonder what's been happening on facebook all night huh, nobody's sleeping what do you know you know I, we do we waste so much time on things that really in the in the grand scheme of things a lot of it doesn't even matter we're not very good stewards of our time and we're talking about stewardship this month here at gfcc last week we began a series called open hands and this idea of this, this concept of open hands uh, comes from this idea from the Bible about how we are blessed to be a blessing. That we receive blessings from God so that we can bless others with them. Uh, the Bible says uh, that we will be enriched in every way so that we can be generous on every occasion. And what happens is, though, is that we hold our treasure, our time, talent, and treasure so close in, in closed fists that we hold on to our time, talent, and treasure, and we don't want to share it with anybody. I don't want to share my time. I don't want to share my abilities. I don't want to share my money. And, and we hold on to it with, with these closed hands, these closed fists. And the problem is, is that we don't want to give it away. But when we close our fists, we can't receive it either. We can't receive more blessings from God to give away to people because our, our fists are closed. But if we will open our hands and give away what God has given us, we open our hands to receive more from Him. Does that make sense? But what do we do? We, we hold it so close. We, we close our, our hands. So we're talking about having open hands. And last week we kind of introduced this concept of stewardship and what it's all about. And today we're going to talk about being good stewards of our time. And not wasting our time, but using it wisely. And, and in all reality, our time is, is limited. Our time is short. Uh, the Bible like bears this out. In Psalm chapter 90, verse 10, it's a psalm of Moses. And he said, Our days may come to 70 years, or 80 if our strength endures. 
Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. And then in verse 12 he says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That there is wisdom coming from the fact that you know that your time is limited. There is wisdom in knowing that there is a, a brevity to life. Because when we realize just how short our lives are, we'll be smarter about how we use our days. We'll be counting our days so that we can make our days count. In Psalm 39, 5, Psalmist said, You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Just a breath. Life is brief. It's only a breath. Psalm 102.3 says, For my days disappear like smoke, and my bones burn like red-hot coals. My days disappear like smoke disappears. Psalm 144.4 says, For they are like a breath of air. People, their days are like a passing shadow. Just a breath. Job 7, 7, Job said, Oh God, remember that my life is but a breath. Hosea 13, 3 says, Therefore people will disappear like the morning mist, like dew in the morning sun, like chaff blown by the wind, like smoke from a chimney. Our days are so brief, and yet we waste them on stuff that doesn't matter. We're not very good stewards of our time. We need to do better. And that's what we're going to talk about today as we look at a passage from the book of James it's James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. If you brought a Bible, great, you can grab it, turn to James 4. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 856 of that Bible, page 856. Or you can use your favorite app on your smartphone or tablet, and we'll put the words on the screen as well. And we're going to take this passage in three pieces as we talk about how we can be uh, better stewards of our time. So James 4, verses 13 and 14 is where we're going to start. Now, James is uh, the brother of Jesus. Now, you may not know that Jesus had brothers and sisters, but he did. Mary and Joseph had other children, uh, and uh, James is one of Jesus' brothers. Now, here's the interesting thing, is that James didn't believe in Jesus until Jesus rose from the dead. So if you're like, I don't know about this Jesus stuff, I'm not sure what I believe, you're in good company, because Jesus' own brother didn't believe in him until later in his life. So James is the brother of Jesus, and he was a leader in the early church at Jerusalem. And so he's writing a letter to the people of the early church and telling them some important things about faith. And this is what he says about time. He says, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. He says, you're a mist, you're a vapor, uh, you're just a breath. You know, my dad asked me a few weeks ago, he said, Sean, if you weren't a pastor, what do you think you'd be doing? I said, living in your basement, mooching. No, that's not what I said. I said, I'd be a chef. I said, I'd be a chef. I love to cook. And I was making a dish this week at home. And uh, I'm making this dish, and uh, it was a pasta dish. And I, I, so I put a, four quarts of water in a, in, a, in a pot, and I put the pot on the stove, and I turned the heat way up. And sure enough, the water started to boil eventually. And uh, I noticed that above the, the pot of water was this little bit of steam. And uh, if you've ever seen water boil, there's a little bit of steam that comes above the pot of water. And that's what James is talking about when he says that our lives are brief. 
when he says that we are but a mist or a vapor, it's that mist, it's that vapor that rises above the, the pot of boiling water. He says, that is your life. And it's, it's here, and then it's gone. I mean, it, it appears for just a second, and then it vanishes. This is your life, he says. Don't waste it. You can make all kinds of plans. You can say, we're going to go here. We're going to do that. We're going to move. I'm going to change jobs. We can make all these plans for ourselves. And yet we never consult God about what we should be doing or where we should be going. And James says, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. You want proof that we don't know what happened tomorrow? Check the weather channel sometime. You watch the weather channel. It's like, it's going to be 80 and sunny tomorrow. And then it's rainy and, and, you know, and, and 55 degrees. What in the world? We don't even know what the weather's going to do tomorrow. And yet we think we can make all these plans. And we think that we're in charge. We think that we're in control of our time. We think that we're in charge and control of our lives. We're not. Not as much as we think we are. And we think we control our own destiny. And we think that we're the captains of our own destiny. We're not. We're not in charge. And, And... I think what James wants us to understand is that we need to submit and to surrender to the will of God. That's what he says in verses 15 and 16. He says, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. See, when we think that we're in charge, and when we think that we're in control, when we think we've got a handle on everything... And that we're going to control our own destiny. We're going to go here. We're going to do that. We're going to make money here. And we're going to change jobs. We've got it all under control. He says that is boasting and bragging. And that kind of boasting and bragging is evil. Because we are taking God's place when we do that. When we do that, we think we're taking God's place. And rather than saying we're going to do this. And rather than saying we're going to do that. And rather than saying that uh, I'm in charge and I'm in control and I control my time and I control my destiny, we should be saying, God, what is it that you want me to do? And where is it that you want me to go? God, how can I surrender and submit to your will? How can I say your will be done, not my will be done? And that's what this whole thing is about. When it comes to using our time and not wasting it, we need to remember that God is in charge and that God is in control. In, Psalm, in Proverbs 27, 1, it says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Don't worry about tomorrow. Jesus said that in the Sermon on the Mount. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what tomorrow may bring. You don't know what's going to happen. Don't waste time worrying about tomorrow. Instead, live today in every moment in surrender and submission to the will of God. That's what Jesus did. Jesus submitted himself and surrendered himself to the will of his Father. That's why he went to the cross. He said, if there's any way for this cup to be taken from me, if there's any way for people to be saved, other than me going to the cross, then let that happen. But not as I will, but as you will. Your will be done, God. And Jesus went to the cross. And he died for your sins and he died for mine. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness. And Jesus shed his blood for our forgiveness. And now we have the hope of eternal life. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus, when we believe in him, and and when we turn away from sin and repentance, and we confess our faith, and we get baptized, God washes away all of our sins. And he cleanses us and purifies us and gives us the hope of eternal life. And it's so important that we use the time that we have 
the time that we've been blessed with, the time that we've been given in wise ways and not waste the days of our lives. Verse 17 simply says this, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. That if you know that there's ways that you should be using your time for the glory of God and for the, the, the betterment of other people that, that, to help them grow into faith in, in, in faith in Jesus Christ, if you know that there are things that you should be doing and you don't do them, you are guilty of sin, James says. That if you are not doing what you should be doing, there's two kinds of sins. There's sins of commission and sins of omission. A sin of commission is when you do the wrong thing, when you know what the wrong thing to do is and you do it anyway. And a sin of omission is when you know what the right thing to do is and you don't do that. James is talking about a sin of omission. That when you know that there are things that you should be doing and ways that you should be using your time, that you should be investing it wisely, and you don't do those things, you're guilty of sin, James says. So what does this mean for you? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for us? And how we should, what should we be doing with our time? Question for you. Are you wasting your time or are you using it wisely? Are you wasting your time or are you using it wisely? I have some suggestions for how you could use your time more wisely. First, invest in your relationship with God. That when you come to faith in Christ, you begin an eternal relationship based on His love and grace. And it is an eternal relationship. It will never end. You will live with Jesus forever. So get to know Him now. Spend time in His Word. Spend time with Him in prayer. Meditate on His words. Uh, I, I, I like to think of it as like when your feet hit the floor in the morning, what's the first thing that comes to mind? First thing that should come to mind is how can I live for you today, God? And, and how can I spend some time with you? If you took 15 minutes a day, how would that change your prayer life? If you took 15 minutes to pray, if you took 15 minutes to read your Bible and to pray, how would that change your life? You'd get to know God a lot better. So to, uh, my challenge for you today is that. Just take 15 minutes a day when you get up in the morning, you've got your routine going, make it a part of your routine. I'm going to take 15 minutes. I'm going to read a, a few verses of Scripture. I'm going to think about it and how I can live it out today. And then I'm going to pray about it and how we can put it into action. And I'm going to pray and give God my day. Read your Bible and pray. It's a great way to start growing in faith and to keep growing in faith. Take 15 minutes. I'm not, not telling you to take three hours a day. I mean, if you've got that time, use that time wisely. But just take 15 minutes to start. and Say, I want to spend some time with my Lord and Savior. Or uh, get in a connection group. That's another great way to invest your time. Get into a connection group. Like I said earlier, if you're not in a connection group yet, you want to get in one, contact the office this week and we'll get you in a group. But a connection group is a great way to grow in faith and, and to hold people accountable and to be held accountable for your faith. Uh, to grow in service and fellowship and to grow in study and prayer. Join a connection group. Invest that one or two hours a week into your relationship with God. And then, so I want to encourage you to invest in your relationship with God, and I want to encourage you to invest in your relationship with others. You know, here's a great way to do that. We have some teenagers around here at GFCC, and they need some mentors. They need someone to come alongside them who's been through the battles of life, and, and they need you. They need you to come alongside them and just speak life into their lives. You know, grab a teenager. I don't, don't literally grab them. You know, that would be weird. But maybe, you know, pray about it and think, you know, 
Maybe I can, maybe I could take a, 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 one of the teenagers, you know, ask your parents um, and, and find out if it's okay with them or ask your grandparents and, you know, can I take you out for a burger and a milkshake? I just want to talk to you about life. I want to find out who you are. And I want to invest in you. And I want to help you avoid some of the mistakes that I've made. I don't know about you, but I've made some stupid mistakes in my life. And maybe you have too. And maybe you, you could invest in the life of a teenager and say, I want to help you avoid some of those dumb mistakes that I've made. Invest your life in someone else. Mentor a teenager here at GFCC. I'm not saying take them out every day for a milkshake. They'd probably like that. But, you know, once a month, once every other week, say, let's go get some tacos. Talk about life. Or invest, if you don't want to invest in a stranger, invest in your family. Invest in your kids. Invest in your grandkids. Your primary mission field is in your house. Help the people in, under your roof grow in a relationship with Jesus. Invest your time in the people in your own house. You'll be held accountable for how you lead your families. You'll be held accountable for your, the faith of your kids and your grandkids. So invest in the lives of your family. And, and that means putting in the time. I don't, man, I'm too tired. No, it's too valuable. It's too important to say I'm too tired. It's too important. Just to, if someone's eternity matters. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, too, I'm too busy. Then yes, you are too busy. If you're too busy to invest your time in the life of your family or in the life of someone else, then you're too busy, period. So invest in your relationship with God. Invest in your relationship with someone else. We're going to be together for a long time, folks. And the, the, the 70, 80 years that we get on this life, like Moses talked about, that's nothing compared to the billions of years that we're going to spend with Jesus. So invest in that relationship with Christ now. And invest in someone else. Because the time is running short. In Romans chapter 13, verse 11 and 12, it says, And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. The day of Christ's return is approaching. Every single second gets us one step closer to heaven. Don't go by yourself. Don't go alone. Invest your life in your family and in the people around you so that we can take as many with us as we can. Because Jesus is coming and time is running out. May we be good stewards of the time we have left.